for a Friday. It's the end of the week. It's uh, almost the end of the month. It's um, almost the end of the year. It's almost the end is what it almost is. I'm Bob McCowan. That's John Shannon over there in the other corner if you're watching on uh, YouTube. And with us, um, you know, a couple of our geezer pals, uh, Mike Zeisberger and Doug Smith are both uh, here. Be speckled and awake at the crack of dawn as we, uh, we do this. And geezer-like. And very geezer-like. Um, I know there are, we should probably start with the World Series because that's, that's what's going on now. We maybe should talk about the NFL a little bit because that also is going on now, but, uh, but, but I don't give a crap about that. Um, I'm, I'm more intrigued, especially of late, in looking ahead and understanding that the border between Canada and the United States is closed and will stay closed probably for an extended period of time. And while the NBA will almost assuredly come back with some kind of season and the NHL will assuredly come back with some kind of season, where do the Canadian teams actually go? And where do, where do the Toronto teams actually play? Um, Z, what we are hearing first with the NHL is the likelihood of, or maybe even the necessity of a Canadian division. Is that what you're hearing? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm hearing, Bob, and it makes the most logical sense. I mean, you get through so much bureaucracy if you have all these Canadian teams just traveling within Canada. Obviously, it would probably be the same thing where, um, you know, like when the teams came into the bubble in Toronto, uh, you know, players coming from the States or coming from the Czech Republic, Sweden, wherever, yada, 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 would have to quarantine for a finite amount of time. But once they're in, they're in. And it makes logical sense. And I, I sense among puckheads, uh, hockey fans, that um, at, at least north of the border, that uh, this is something that they're intrigued by, that they would love to see uh, a Canadian division. Whether that has any traction once we get back to real life, uh, I have no idea. But I think in this situation, it is a logical move by the National Hockey League should they decide to pursue it. Okay, so Smitty, on the other side, the only Canadian team, obviously, in the NBA is the Toronto Raptors. And um, we I don't see them playing in another bubble next year, the NBA. Oh, but they will win the Canadian division. <laughs> yeah. Fight <laughs> for last. And, and, and when playoff time comes around, they'll be well-rested. That's right. They'll get but, a few buys. Um, what the, what the, where's, where, where do the Raptors play? I think the Raptors are going to play in Toronto. I don't think there'll be people in the building, but I do think the NBA will come up with some kind of rapid testing plan that, you know, they've helped develop one through with Yale. And as you remember, the province of Ontario and the city of Toronto both okayed the Blue Jays playing in Toronto. Mm -hmm. It was the Fed, it was the federal government. The Fed, that said, yeah. Wait a second. I think the NBA can go to Ottawa and say, here's our plan. It is exponentially better than baseballs was six months ago, let's go. And well, I think, I think and, that and when you and when you consider Doug that uh, you, we are seeing uh, uh, on the horizon uh, the airlines and the government working together with a test uh, with a test plan in in Alberta yeah. right now of a, a rapid test for travelers, uh, there is some logic to that. I I was I still would not be surprised if this second wave continues to grow though. Yeah. Uh, that the NBA oh. tells them they have to go to Tampa. I think they, they have to go somewhere else. I, I think the possibilities. I've talked to a couple people this week who think 
the possibility exists of regional bubbles for the NBA to start the right. year. Not, not all in one city, but maybe four spread out across the United States that, that are, it's more workable. Because, yeah, we all know that this, this pandemic, it changes hourly. And yep. who the hell knows what it's going to look like in mid-December, let alone the middle of January, when I think the NBA will come back. Well, and here's the other thing, Smitty, is that at least the NBA has time to formulate something, to work with the government. If you remember, uh, the Blue Jays, when they approached, approached the federal government, uh, and I, I don't mean initially, I mean to, to seriously take steps. I mean, baseball was waddling around trying to figure out if they were going to even have a season until yeah. they had to do things so quickly. There wasn't really a lot of time for the Blue Jays to present their plan, whereas the NBA does have time on its hands. I, I, think, I think MLB was making it up as they went along. Yeah, yeah. And that cost them. I think and that I think a lot of people I, I, not not to defend uh, Rob Banford, but I think a lot of people were making it up as they were well, going along. One hundred percent in February, March, and, and April. One hundred percent. The one the one thing I would say is that um, once we got past the St. Louis Cardinals and the Miami Marlins, did and base and the players finally took the whole plan seriously. Did baseball's plan of playing in home parks work? And for the most part, I think it did. Yeah, oh, I agree. But it, it took the it, it took a lot of more work than it should have, I think, because of the original planning and the kind of fly by the seat of your pants stuff back in April and May. And you're right, the whole entire world was too. But I think that's where the NBA and the NHL, if they looking at a January one start, they have the benefit of hindsight what's mm -hmm. worked for them in edmonton and toronto what worked for the nba in orlando and can go to ottawa and say here here's how we're, here's exactly how we're going to do it mm -hmm. on these specific days and i think ottawa will listen far more open-eared than they did to baseball i, I it, well there's so many intriguing things that have come as a result of this uh, pandemic and the um and the actions of these various leagues as a result what is the value of home field, home court, home ice advantage? What, what really is that? You know, I, I can tell you statistically, you know, having lived in Vegas, 54% of home teams win games. And, and it varies a little bit from year to year, obviously. But, I mean, if you go over a long period of time, doesn't matter what sport, the home team is going to win 54% of the time at, uh, at the end of the season, give or take a few point, percentage points. Could be 52, could be 56, but now we are in a situation where what what did the lack of or home court advantage, of which there was none in the NBA, what did that actually mean, Doug? I don't, I, um, I don't, think, I don't, yeah, I don't think it meant anything, but I will say this, and John can maybe speak to it knowing it from that side. I think the benefit of being in arenas is signage. And sponsorship sure and the stuff that people see on television where you can satisfy your sponsors by saying our rink board advertising is being seen by these people mm -hmm. and our courtside advertising is being seen by viewers and you don't get that in neutral sites well the, I, the, the, the the thing with that is doug what you brought up is local revenue that's not national revenue because in both the nhl and the nba signage becomes on a national basis becomes controlled by Right. the NHL. What the Raptors missed was a ton of local revenue 
at times. Obviously, that occurred in the NHL to a point. So what we're talking about, not only, and it's not only signage, I do think that there is an advantage home court because of the emotions in both sports. I, I think momentum, I think crowds have, and I, you can say poppycock, Bob, but crowds do create opportunities for momentum for the home team. I don't think there's any question about that. I think that the the emotional aspect, it may be infinitesimal. It's theoretical, it is part of, it, John. It, it, it is that's it theoretical. Is, you sure can't it is, prove but it. it. But it is. But it is also it is also part of the fan experience, which in many ways a lot of us watch because we want to watch the event, not just the game. I just don't think you're going to see fans in arenas for very long. Oh, no, long. no, neither I do I. Either sport, sport. either sport. Now, maybe till the end of next season, whenever that you – know, that's the other part. When does, when does seasons have to end? The, the NBA has got to get done before the NFL starts. Yeah. Because they need and, that – they can't go up against them on that, that TV model. Well, I'm, I'm curious. Are they going are, – are, is the NBA going to Tokyo? Oh, yeah. It, well, <clears throat> if there is a Tokyo, it plans to go, but I, I, don't, I don't think it can. Because I don't think it can get its season over with. Oh, okay. I don't, yeah. So I think that's the that's going to be the issue. They're not going to get done in in time for July to go to Tokyo with their best players. So some guys who are on teams that aren't in the playoffs may go, but it's not going to be the American team or the Croatian team because all their good players are going to be playing in the NBA. Well, Dover, you better put the Canadian team in there too. We got a pretty well, good they, team. Right? They still got to qualify. I don't, know, I don't know how that's going to how that, how that's going to happen. How are they going to do that? Happen. Yeah, draw straws. We're going to draw straws. Yeah, that's right. But I will say to Bob's point, when we talk about home field advantage, the only when 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 you, when you get right to the crux of it, the only sport that I see of the big four, um, where maybe you do miss a little bit of fan support, or more importantly, where it actually affects the game will be the National Football League because if an opposing quarterback is coming up to the line in Kansas City or in Seattle, you know that those guys have been practicing silent counts because they can't hear. And the one sport where communication more than any other um, is vital is offensively in football. So um, Otherwise, you know, like Bob said, it's only 54% of home teams that win a lot of these games in these sports. And to me, in basketball and hockey, um, having fans in the stands, uh, signage not included, um, is kind of irrelevant to helping the home team other than the NFL. I, I talked to a bunch of basketball players about this very issue over the years because in the NBA, it seems to be a bigger deal than it might statistically be. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them have said to me, hey, look, it's noise. It's either good noise or bad noise, but it's noise. And it's the same whether you're at home or on the road yep. with people screaming. So I'm, I don't see the momentum all that much. A little bit of basketball. Maybe it gets in referees' heads. Well, but, 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 it, hey, but last I checked, they're part of it. I mean, everything's, well, absolutely, yeah, yeah. everything's part, part of it. Yeah, it is. You know? Uh, Doug Smith, Mike Zeisberger, uh, with uh, John and I on the podcast today. Uh, many, many years ago, and periodically in the interim, um, I mentioned in a concept that, that I've held for some lengthy period of time and repeatedly was shot down with it. And that concept is a neutral site for the World Series. 
that uh, traveling. Well, you, got, you got it now. That's the yeah. point, John. So, and I mean, it took a pandemic for them to even try it. And nobody is talking about the possibility necessarily of having this work going forward. But we are seeing it. It does not diminish the significance for me of my, the watching experience, the observing experience on television, where 99.99% of your audience is during a World Series. The concept of going to a city, not having to worry about travel dates, um, to be parked in one place. Fans from those cities can travel there. Let's be honest, they do it with the Super Bowl. It just, it, it, it just, it feels like the right thing to do. Just general thoughts around the table on, on that, this concept. I kind of like it because it takes out the variable of weather. And in baseball, that, that's a huge deal because if you get two days of rain out, it changes your entire pitching strategy. Yes, it does. And it doesn't happen if you can schedule the World Series in a dome or a warm weather city. Probably. Probably. Uh, yeah, you know, that said, I, I don't think it, it's certainly not a bad idea. And you're right, this year, I can't watch baseball this year because there's pitching changes every four seconds. And <laughs> guys, you know, it's a one nothing it's a one nothing game in the third inning and teams yeah. are, teams that are ahead are changing. So you're never gonna watch baseball again then, right, Doug? It's 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 uh, it's basically unwatchable to me because everybody's either striking out or hitting home runs. And everybody, and, and everybody, everybody throws a hundred miles an hour, and they're all the same guy. But anyway, that said, a neutral site World Series would be very cool because it would be a big event. Over what? I agree. Seven, Twelve days. Yeah, you get the off days, then that'd big, be outstanding. A big event for whom? I think for the fans of the teams, they would go there. Wow. I think it'd be a gigantic party. I think it'd be, you know, the Super Bowl. I don't know how many of of us of the four of us have been to Super Bowls. Yeah. I imagine most of us. But Super Bowl starts essentially on Thursday. Yeah, the teams get there Monday, Tuesday, or you know, and now they have sometimes have a week between uh, between uh, the the championship games and the and the and the Super Bowl. But essentially, it's the parties start on Thursday. By the time you get to Sunday, you're so hungover. Well, the game, the is, game almost is almost irrelevant. Yeah, it is. Yeah, the, but but and I don't I don't know if I don't know if you could do that for a World Series. I don't know if you could do that for a World Series for almost two weeks. Um, it, it doesn't have to be two weeks. It could be seven days. It literally could be seven days. You don't have travel. You don't need travel days. You can go. Whatever Monday it, to Sunday. I, I need to be. Here you go. Plan, bang 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 bang. I need to be able to plan to go. I need, you know, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I also think that w when, when you're a, you don't you're need to be able to plan to go anywhere. <laughs> you get off, you get off your keister off the couch and you get on an airplane uh, and you go. Not when you made as much money as, as uh, John has in his here, career. Here, here, but here's the thing. You're going to uh, know in advance where the world no. series is. You know, it's not going to be a big surprise. It's easier to go to a predetermined place than it is. Two days before you find out where you're, where you might go if you're a traveling fan. But Tell Bob, you're preaching logic here, okay? Well, as always. And we're yes, but we're talking about Major League Baseball. This is the same place that, with all the dome stadiums, how many times, guys, at the beginning of a regular season, the first two three weeks of the season, they have scheduled place uh, games in outdoor stadiums like Cincinnati, like Detroit where it's still freaking snowing 
Okay? Yeah, but that's this, that's tradition, Mike. Mike that's, that's tradition, Mike. You know that. Tradition. What? Yeah, yeah, what well, tradition? Like 1977, it's tradition to shovel off the field before the first game? Well, hey, listen, that's how uh, you, you were probably there in left field. No, I was, I was one of the only 1.5 million who was not at Exhibition Stadium. <laughs> I, I, the, the other thing is, I, I think one of the key things in all this is, uh, is I'm not sure that if, if you did it, you could jack up the ticket prices as much as you needed to if you have the, you know, you're going to create more demand at home. If you have a, if you have a 50,000 seat ballpark oh, and, don't and bet you on host. It. Don't uh, bet on it. What you do is the same thing as the Super Bowl does in the NFL. That's only one game, Bob. That's only one game. Yeah, but you can look. You, you, you still have corporate sponsors. You can suck them in. You can just mandate. You know, look, you, you, you wanna, you want some TV spots? Just well, it's gonna cost you, you know, hundred million dollars. Uh, <coughs> and then you got to go to the game. I want to see. I want to see. Buy Cincinnati. your tickets for the games. I mean, if if the Cincinnati Reds ever get to the World Series again. I want to see Cincinnati fans. I want to see 50,000 Cincinnati fans. Fans a fan. A, a stadium's a no, stadium. No There's way. no romance in that. You There's know, you're reading novels Come here. On. It, it Come on. It doesn't matter. And everyone knows it except you. I know. I, listen, I'm a, you didn't I, like I, seeing I, the I, World Series at Wrigley, Bob? I'm sorry, say again. You didn't like seeing the World Series oh, at Wrigley? It was magic. It was I magic. couldn't care less. They could have if they played it in Texas. So what? Would there have been Cub fans there? You don't think Cub fans, after a yeah, hundred yeah. and whatever year, number of years, would have taken the drive down to Arlington to watch that series? No, but they didn't go to their asses no. off. Nah. In, you know, at all other times during the week, I could. It would arguably been better. I do. Think I would have probably- liked to have been in the hotel where the Cub fans were staying in Arlington, if that was the site that year. Because that would have been the party of, of forever for a week. Yeah. Smitty, you wanted to jump in. It probably is logistically easier for the league and its most important partners, the broadcasters. Because sure you, don't have, yeah. you don't have to pick up and move every third or fourth day. And, and you know, that when the league, you know, we're, we're going to go through a period here, I think, of four or five years where the money's not there anymore because we're still going to be digging out from two seasons of pandemic. And maybe leagues need to think about the way to cut costs and some one of it would be with baseball play in one city instead of shipping everybody from Tampa yeah. to Los Angeles I can assure you all four uh, all three leagues because the NFL doesn't need to talk to anybody the other three <laughs> yeah. the, 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 the other three leagues are talking about a ton of things like how do we save money rather than having a home broadcast, a road broadcast, and a national broadcast. And, I, and rather than having 500000 to $600,000 sitting there every night, why don't we do it for $150,000 and share the cost and cut down on all of that extra stuff? And, and really, the, that's exactly what happened at the bubbles. And I, I, I was just going to say, I presume the NHL and NBA have learned yeah. valuable money-saving oh, lessons. because Very of, much so. And technology, and technology oh, yeah. now... Technology now is is just f- fantastic in our business. I was talking to somebody yesterday who's involved uh, in the United States in the, in this business, and they talked about they were involved with the PGA Golf, and they had uh, the producer and director in Stamford, Connecticut, 
the technical crew in Los Angeles, the camera people and the audio people on the golf course in, fire, uh, in Toledo, Ohio, uh, and everything went together and worked. And there was no, there was, there was no gaps. It, it all fell together easily, and, and it saved them a ton of money. And it was safer. And John, it was safer. John, you would know this far better than, than any of us, I think. It, let's say the Leafs and Raptors decided to not travel any broadcasters at all. No, no stats guys, no cameramen, yeah. no, no yeah. people, no broadcasters. Yeah. And they did it from home like they've just done it. Mm-hmm. How many millions of dollars would that save Maple Leaf Sports? Millions of dollars. Uh, well, it, it, it would probably save them, uh, on average, probably between fifty and $60,000 per team per night. So, so do it, you know, do it. That's yeah. $2 million for each team. So that's $4 million to the bottom line. Which is not in these, this day and age, coming out of the pandemic, not in not yeah. substantial. In cash with cash poor situations for all clubs, including the big clubs like the guys at Madison Square Garden in New York and the people at MLSE, that's a lot of money. Now I would I hope this doesn't happen because I like the broadcasters and I like being on the road with them and I like and they and they like there. their and they like their per diem and they like going to the bar the night before. A hundred percent. And generally, <laughs> if, generally, I'll let them spend some of their per diem on me if they want to. <laughs> exactly. That's why um, you're one of the greats, Smitty. You always have that take on things. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, I think more, money's really, money's money's going to be the driver for the next five years in all pro sports because there is none out there. And money's going to be the driver. And safety's going to be the reason. And yeah. so people are not going to be able to push back and say, well, I want to go because, and they're going to say, no, no, it's safer for you not to get on an airplane. It's well, safer the for the athletes. Give, right? uh, yeah, exactly. Or reason. More reason. Like, more yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we, the Toronto Star had a credential for the NBA bubble. On, on, on a tier one credential, we were going to go. Huge cost. But we thought it would be worth it to go. And at the end, it was... Safety was probably, you know, cost was a big deal. Yep. Safety was the second one. Sure. And I, I was quite fine with not getting on an airplane and flying to Orlando. Once I got there and got in the bubble, it would have been fine. Mm-hmm. But it's those 10 hours when you're not that's a little bit dicey. And whoever, yeah, think, thought, whoever thought it would take a pandemic that we would see in reality, and you guys talked about the broadcasters, um, a replication in real life of the scene in Bull Durham where the announcer is sitting there with a piece of wood and a stick and he's calling the games off the teletype. Joe Crysdale, man. Here's the pitch. And there it goes. Whoever thought that we'd be, you know, uh, props aside, that we would get to the point where broadcasters would be broadcasting remote. But that's what... Now, we can't... can't Hey, that's that's back to the future. In the 50s, recreations were were a fact of life. Now, we can't do our jobs well in those circumstances, writers or broadcasters. You cannot do your job well if you're not there. And that's that's hard. And we got to figure out as an industry a a way around that. Here's one of the issues with that, Doug. The Zoom calls, and this might be too inside for the regular viewer or listener, the Zoom calls that the athletes and the coaches participated in, they loved it. Oh, absolutely. Because they didn't have they didn't have to walk away with me asking them a third or fourth question. No, nope. they loved exactly. it. And that I, th- I actually think the zoom calls or the, whatever the next technology is for athletes, I think here, it's here to stay. I think it's here to stay on every level. 
Man, uh, we got a, I, I got a couple other things I want to get to before we uh, wrap this thing up because I know people have to go. Um, uh, side note, not a big deal. It appears Mark Shapiro is going to stay uh, with the Toronto Blue Jays as their uh, president, CEO, whatever the hell he is. If, if you had told fans that that was going to happen two years ago, there would have been outrage. Uh, Mark Shapiro was not popular uh, among the fa- uh, with the fan base. And, and that's no surprise. I mean, the team hadn't played well. He disassembled a team that, you know, was pretty good. It got to the postseason a couple of years in a row. Um, what do you think now the reaction is to the thought that Shapiro's going to stick around for two, three, four, five more years? Probably a lot less dramatic, wouldn't you think? I say less dramatic, but I still think a lot of people think he's uh, he's the puppet master for the manager, and I think that's going to become an issue that he and Atkins are calling the shots for Montoya. Well, I don't think there's a doubt about that. Do you? No, no, no. I I don't. I think that's absolutely true, and I think that will be the thing that doesn't allow fans to fully embrace him. What's happening back. with the Dodgers? What's happening in Tampa? It's this happening is, everywhere. It's happening yeah. everywhere. This is yeah, the, this is the, the, this is the new baseball rule. To Doug's point, uh, and and it is a valid point, I mean, it, to a fan in Toronto or a fan in Tampa or a fan in L.A., it only matters what your home team is doing. Yeah. Right. And and uh, you don't care about anybody else. And if, if the decision is the right decision, you say nothing and think nothing of it. It just passes. And if it's the wrong decision, you lose your mind. And somebody has to bl- be blamed for it. So well, is I it think- the manager or is it the front office who you believe is actually made the call? Z. Well, I mean, we've seen the Dodgers in their in their failings in the World Series up to this point. Um, we've seen the way they've handled their pitching staff, where guys get pulled uh, when they're when they're throwing a one hitter through five innings because that's what the people upstairs say. The analytics tell them that that's what they had to do. We right. saw that with the Blue Jays against Tampa. And as a baseball fan, forget about a journalist or anything. Forget about me having covered that sport and that team. Um, it was really frustrating because I don't need a piece of paper to see that they can't hit the damn ball on a certain day when a guy is hot. Um, that, 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 to me, is really frustrating. I do think that maybe Shapiro and Atkins got a little bit of a softer reaction from the fans when the fans actually saw at the trade deadline that they tried to add. I know there was no big blockbusters, but at least they were being proactive, which in this organization um, really hasn't happened since Alex Anthopoulos left. Well, the, the interesting thing about it for me, Bob, is it, 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 to me it shows that uh, with ownership showing some patience, if you want to call it that, with Shapiro and Atkins, uh, that they can rebuild the organization, that their young guns are pretty good. And this, this ball club still has holes, but it's getting better. And you could see the improvement in Buffalo uh, through this season. But to me, the, the other side of this is they've had a chance to figure out what they were supposed to do with their stadium. Yeah. And they haven't done it yet. And how many times have we talked about it over the last three or four years is, Mark, what are you going to do about the stadium? How are you going to fix the stadium? When people come back, because eventually people will come back, Mm -hmm. eventually. That place has to be a much more livable, watchable stadium than it is right now. Here's the other thing that I I have an issue with uh, 
with the Blue Jays is that the way they're managing the roster and the decisions on the field, how much of that is done to save money? Because now if you have openers and you have stabs of 21, 21, 22-year-old kids, you never have to pay them because you keep rolling them over. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go get a free agent. You need to get four guys and give you two innings. And you don't pay them the same as you yeah. pay a front-of-the-line front starter. So the economic issue of this change in baseball is, I think, been underexplored, maybe because it's so relatively new. But that's, that's a thing that, that, that sort of sticks in my craw. And if I'm a player, it really sticks in my craw because I'm not going to get paid because it's a different game. Well, Billy, B- Billy Bean on line two might. That's just yeah. got $350 million. I mean, I don't think he's complaining about analytics. So, no, but, I, but, but, but I get your point. Yeah. There, I just I think it's an offshoot, though, Doug. I think I. I well, I don't think I don't think they sat down and said, "How can we? How can we? How can we screw these players out of money?" Well, if we don't play them all the time, so let's do this analytics and say you have to sit on this day because this sheet says blah blah. I don't yeah, think you, they did that. I don't. But, think, but that's the. But aren't that smart. That's the antiseptic. That's the antiseptic aspect of the combination of trying to win trying to be reasonable with your with your baseball budget and and overusing analytics so you you combine those three things you you create a sterile situation you don't put it in 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 the in the hands or the brain of the manager or his staff to make a decision that meeting was decided at two o'clock in the afternoon that after the fourth inning this guy's going out and this guy's gonna the next guy's gonna pitch you 10 pitches and then he's leaving I mean, and, and it's one of the reasons I think that, that the interest overall in baseball is dropping because it's too, it's too mathematical, it's too scientific, yeah. and it's not emotional enough. It's, you, you, can't, point. You, can't script, you can't script baseball, and they're trying to script baseball. You can't, you can't script sports, and that's what baseball teams are trying to do. And it, I don't it, disagree you know, with that. I think every sport's trying to do that. I, I, I'm, I mean, I, I agree with you 100%. But I don't think it's limited to just baseball. I think I think we're seeing that in a ton of sports, and I think actually it turns off a lot more fans that it really kind of uh, gets hyped up. Well, I tell you, it's absolutely lost me as a as a major baseball yeah. fan. I'll watch games, but I have no, I I can't handle the way they ruined the game with the analytics and the scripting of it. I get that analytics analytics and and advanced metrics are important in, in decisions. But they're making them the thing instead of a thing. And that bothers me a lot. And here's what gets me too, Smitty, is that while they're going through and doing this stuff, okay, and we talked about, you know, that the analytics, analytical decisions are coming from the front office. Here's a message to the front office. While you're doing some of this stuff, why not teach your team how to catch a ball, how to throw (laughs) a ball? And my biggest pet peeve, and I want to ask all three of you, have you ever seen, and we've all watched a lot of baseball, a worse base running team than this Blue Jays team? Because I certainly haven't. And I think you'd be cut from Little League if you made some of the decisions you'd make out in the base paths. They look like a handful of Kenny Williamses running around the bases. <laughs> remember him going back and forth? Back oh, and yeah, forth man. Second? Yeah, I yeah. remember him, doctor. Oh, yeah. they, run, they run the bases like they're drunk. Yeah, that's it. Well, they don't need to run the bases because all you're going to do is strike hit out or hit a home run. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. And and, and when you when you run the bases in a trot, I think you can touch all four. 
They're so not used to running the bases. <laughs> what, what, what is this? I got to go from first to third? Do we know you they know? know that they have to touch all four, John, when they hit one out? Uh, I, I'll check the rule book. I'll check the rule book. Uh, I'm not here to defend the players, but l- let us let us simply recall that this was a 60 game schedule. Yeah, a schedule essentially without a real training camp, <laughs> and um, you have a bunch of young players. Although the dumbest base runner probably wasn't isn't certainly isn't their youngest player. Having said all that, let's see how this evolves over the next year or two. Like, if they don't grab this by the throat and say, all right, you dum-dums, this is how you run the bases, <laughs> then you got a problem. They were, uh, they were, they were this year, I'm prepared to say, well, all right, okay. So. You know, they, you know to, to put it in context of other sports, the Toronto Blue Jays are kind of like the Montreal Canadiens are in the NHL right now. What we saw in the postseason was a ton of potential. And what we saw is this team can grab a market if it continues to play this way over the next couple of years. It's not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed. The truth of the matter is they were what? Two games above 500? That's the magic of expanded playoffs. So Doug, and we're going to see expanded. We're going to see expanded playoffs. Rob Manfred's already said he liked it. We're going to see it in the future. Good. I told Rob Manfred he should do it five years ago. And he said I was an idiot. And he said, Bob who? Bob Bob who? Um, if you, uh, I, I don't know, how many Raptor fans, Smitty, do you think know, uh, knew who uh, Nate Bjorkren was? I think the hardcore, the, the, uh, the casual fans will go, is, okay, is that the bald coach, bald assistant, or is that the black assistant? They don't, they don't know for sure. <laughs> no, I, I, think, I, I, I think it's even a little worse than what you, you portray, but, but it doesn't matter. E- either way, he was not exactly a high-profile guy. No, no. And yet... There is always consternation within an organization and their fan base when your one of your assistants, and in this case, your lead assistant, um, wanders off to uh, take another job. And and fans will always go, "What will this mean? What exactly does it mean that the number two coaching guy on the team is no longer here? If if Kyle Lowry leaves, I can assimilate what that means." The coach leaves. I don't know. Tell so. Tell me how in, how integral was he to the success of this team? I, I think his value and importance was the way he helped Nick Nurse, because he was the optimistic guy. Besides Nick, Nick would be all crazy. Oh, we're going to lose, and Nate was the most positive man I know. And I think that's. I think Nick, when he goes to fill that role, will look for somebody with those personality traits. And I don't, I don't, I think it will be relatively seamless. The X's and O's are the X's and O's. It's not a big deal. It's the coaching staff dynamic that Nick has to worry about when he gets that, that next guy. And I think he's going to look for a guy who has a lot of the same characteristics as Nate does in the way he handles Nick, Mm. as opposed to how he does calling plays or suggesting strategy got it one, one other question and the other guys can jump in um if the raptors lose another assistant if another raptor assistant gets a um the call gets tapped on the shoulder for a head coaching job and leaves do you think the the impact is incrementally greater 
Yeah, I do because that's more personalities in a very small, intense or intense group. You know, the coaching staff is basically four people, three assistants, the head coach, the guys behind the bench are developmental guys. They're not at the same level. And if you take three, two thirds, 65, 67% of your brain trust away from the head coach, then you got some dynamic you got to figure out. And losing two is exponentially better, worse than losing one. Well, I, I want to, it's interesting that uh, Nate goes to Indy, uh, where a guy like Frank Vogel was. Uh, and, and to me, Indy's one of those teams that goes and finds the, what I would describe as the inexpensive, good assistant coach to come in and coach the team. Uh, it almost makes Indy kind of a developmental city when it comes to what the NBA does to develop head coaches. Is that well, fair? but players too. I mean, you know, look at, you know, they're pretty good, uh, but they're, you know, they're. But o- a, over the, over the years, they've had some pretty good management guys like Donnie have, Walsh and Larry, that's a pretty and Larry good Bird team. to do it. Oh no. That's a pretty good team. But they're, they're I, you know, the, the consensus would be, and I don't know whether Smitty agrees, the likelihood of them going out and getting the star player that they yeah. need to elevate them is virtually zero. Yeah, zero right now, absolutely. They're, they're in that middle tier of the fifth to the tenth best team in the East, and I don't know where they fall. And you know, injuries. I think they're going to be there forever, though. I think that's going to be the philosophy of that that team and that ownership forever. Oh, I think absolutely. I think it works for them. And you know, every now and then you catch lightning in a bottle and you play in a conference final, which is a great thing. It helps. You know, it's three more weeks of excitement, and your fans yeah. are jazzed up and. You get a summer to or a winter to live off that. But, yeah, they're a, a treadmill kind of team. And I don't think they'll ever go – they won't make the bold move of trading DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard of one year no, like the Raptors would. I, that's yeah. not organizationally what they do. Well, and, and when, when, when they develop stars, which they will inevitably and have in the past, and those stars, it comes time to give them the big dollars. Um, Indiana will probably not be able to keep these guys, either because they want to get out of Indianapolis or they, um, they can't afford to. And, and so the cycle will continue. They can, be, they can be a good team, but they can't be a great team. And, no, and every now and then you get lucky and you win a second round of the playoffs and you're in the yeah. play. Well, yeah. or, you, or, or Reggie Miller drops to where you draft. You know, I mean, yeah. that's basic, and that's how long ago it was. That's oh, yeah. the, I mean, so that's the other thing. Well, would Reggie, if if the if the economic system in basketball was the same in Reggie Miller's time, which wasn't all that long ago, but that no. it is today, did was would Reggie Miller play his entire career I, in Indiana? I think, I think that's a fair question. I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm I, guessing I don't think no. So. Yeah, I guess he probably yeah. wouldn't have. I think those days are gone. Yeah, I do too. Kobe Bryant was the last one we will ever see who spent an entire career, entire good career with one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, guys, um, enjoyed it. That was fun. We had lots more things to talk about. We'll do it another time. Thanks, Z. Thanks, Smitty. Good to Absolutely. see you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Good to Smitty. see everybody. That's Just a, a podcast for a Friday and uh, for this week for John Shannon, Bob McCown, and, and the boys. Thank um, you. Have a nice weekend. We'll see you.